We're in the middle of a, a series right now called Dangerous Prayers, um, and I love the topic um, because really my existence, the current life trajectory that I have set course on, is the result of quite a few dangerous prayers. Um, you know, a dangerous prayer is one of those things that you pray, and in the moment it sounds amazing. And then God invites you into the process of the dangerous prayer. And you're like, God, why have you forsaken me? Right? And God's like, oh, no, no, no. This is just the, pro this is just the answer to the prayer. Right? It's like I make a joke all the time about this song. Um, beautiful song. Amazing. And the song says, I want to be tried by fire. And we sing the song. And one day I'm playing the drums and I'm singing it. And it was one of those moments, you know, because I could be guilty of this when you're just like jamming along. You're not really necessarily thinking. It's kind of just reflex. And then you think about, I'm praying right now to be tried by fire. And this is often the, the dangerous prayers that we pray is oftentimes we pray these times in a heightened moment of surrender, be it a moment in worship a moment, maybe you're in a prayer meeting, maybe you're in during fasting and prayer, and it's out of these moments that I believe it's because these are the spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection moments that the truest identity of ourself is being expressed as we pray these dangerous prayers. And oftentimes, when we come back into the naturalness of ourselves, we can sometimes wonder why Oh, why? Oh, why did we pray that prayer? And so this week, um, how many of you loved having Dr. Jim Caseman here on Sunday? Wasn't he amazing? He, we loved him, but when we had a little bit of time, uh, I didn't get as much time to spend with him as I normally would like to. It was just a very busy weekend, but I was able to have a small conversation with him, and he loved being here. He loved it. He, the man travels literally all over the world. He's, I don't even know, 80 old, something, okay? Just, he's an older gentleman. And he just said the life, the energy, the presence of the Lord that's here just kicked him into overdrive. He said, like, I was laughing and saying things. I don't even know why I was saying what I was saying. But he was having a great time and loved being with us. And so uh, it was just phenomenal. And my Aunt Joy was ordained into ministry. Uh, which was such a phenomenal thing. Um, man, we're, I could just feel like I could do a commercial the whole day because of all the amazing things that are happening at church. God is doing amazing things in 2020. That is, I believe that's the message of what we're experiencing right now. Um, if you look statistically, don't be uh, distracted by sometimes what the news polls say. Christianity and the body of Christ is growing now around the world faster than it has ever grown before. There are thousands and thousands of people who are coming into relationship with God. We are living in the greatest time to be alive. God is on his throne. He's on the move. He's coming back. He's not, I mean, I hope he doesn't come back too soon because I'm really just getting in my stride here, right? Okay, um, so we've been talking about dangerous prayers, and tonight we're going to continue on. Um, Sunday, Dr. Jim talked to us about 
often the dangerous prayer that we would pray, um, I, I would venture to say that every single one of us has prayed this prayer at least one time, and that's the prayer that sounds something like, God, use me. God, use me. I'd ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure everybody would put their, both hands up and both their feet up. All of us are desperate to be used by God. Why? Because we understand that it's in the will of God, in the plan of God, in the destiny of God, and the fulfillment of those things in our life is the place of our greatest fulfillment, the place of our greatest enjoyment, happiness. We talked throughout the summer about uh, our, our topic was the pursuit of happiness, which is breaking down the scripture to help us understand that when we live in God's plan for our life, oftentimes people think that serving God is this place of where God is trying to strip us of all these things to bring us down to the bare necessities. But when we look throughout scripture, we realize that in God's plan for our life, the Bible tells us that God created everything that we would richly enjoy. And so when we pray the prayer, God, use me, Although often at first it can feel trying, it's only trying because God's getting out of us the things that are keeping us from being able to step into the fullness of what he has for us. So today we're going to use the scripture, probably my favorite scripture to preach from in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Very familiar scripture in that if you've been at church any length of time, I've probably preached it two or three times. And it's the story of Peter as he walks on the water. I love Peter because Peter wanted to be used. Sometimes he flubbed and he messed up. Sometimes he sunk and got rebuked. But I love Peter because Peter wanted to be used. He's a beautiful example to us of how God, in the midst of our humanity, in the midst of our weakness, our vulnerability, God has an amazing ability to turn beauty from the little that we can give him. It says this in Matthew 14, 22. It says, as soon as the meal was finished, Jesus had just finished feeding. It's one of the stories of Jesus feeding the thousands. As the meal was finished, he insisted, I'm also reading from the message translation, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them, and they were battered by the waves. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. And they were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter, suddenly bold, prayed the dangerous prayer. Master, if it's really you, call me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus said, like he always responds to us in all of the prayers that we pray, he said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked onto the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. And Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, faint heart, what's got into you? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning, this evening. I also preach in the morning sometimes, and so you can come back on Sunday at 10 a.m. And it will be morning then. We thank you for your goodness in our life, your grace. Ask for your wisdom this evening as we spend time opening up your scripture to understand the practical application of this 2,000-year-old text 
about how it can speak to us in 2020, the life that's necessary to live the destiny that you have set before us. As for your anointing, your presence tonight to rest heavily on us, that as we read the word, that it would open up to us and it would truly be like you said it would be, a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, oftentimes we can be, use this text and really come down on Peter. I typically come down on him. Um, I, I, it's, it's kind of like commenting on Facebook. I don't have to be face to face with Peter. I can judge him from a distance as he is in heaven and I am on earth. But, uh, you know, I, I often think about the scripture from the sense of Peter was the only one in this situation that was brave enough or bold enough to ask to step out of the boat. And I feel like we should really give him some credit for that because he was really asking to do something that for all intents and purpose for his whole life he thought to be impossible. This was a man that had lived on the water. He was a fisherman, and so as far as we would come to understand based off of their culture, his dad was a fisherman, and he had probably spent the majority of his life on the water or by the water. So he had years of experience that would tell him that anyone who tried to walk on the water, it was inevitable that they were simply going to sink. And I often think about this in our times of praying this prayer of God use us, that we can wonder why God would use us. That we have so many reasons, so much history, so many situations. Often so many of us have so much trauma in our life. And as we talk about praying these dangerous prayers, I know you're just like me, that oftentimes when we find ourselves in situations where we have a desire to seek God to this capacity, to press into new things with God, that we're so much more familiar with our weaknesses than we are with our strengths. Is that not true? That we've lived firsthand through our failures. We live firsthand through our disappointments, through our shortcomings, that we often feel too immature, too incapable, too isolated, the trauma from our past, the failure of our present, all these things screaming at us as we desire to pray these intense prayers that the God of the universe would somehow in our frailty use us to accomplish his great destiny for the earth. And oftentimes we want to be used. I think that each of us would sit in this room this evening because we would all say, I want to be used by God. That I sit here because I'm convinced of at least one thing, that life with God is better than doing life on my own. That his principles are better than my principles. That his ways, like the word says, are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Oftentimes we want to be used. But we have a list of reasons why we shouldn't or we couldn't. Or maybe you're like me in another way where we often observe and compare ourselves to other people around us. Been guilty of this a time or two. Like earlier this afternoon when I was listening to a preacher as I was sitting on my couch and angrily closed my phone because I said, he's too good. Okay? 
<laughs> but we observe other people and we see them and we can often compare them and understand why God would use them or why God is using them. And then as we look at ourselves, we realize that we don't necessarily possess the same qualities. Maybe those people are articulate or they're anointed in a particular way. Maybe they're good with people. Maybe they're all the different things that we would deem as usable qualities. And as we look at ourselves, we feel as though we possess none of those qualities. We find ourselves feeling not smart enough, not outgoing enough, not articulate enough, and wonder why would God ever want to use us? But can I tell you a little secret that I've learned? This is, this is a biggie. Everyone who God asks to do something feels inadequate in doing that thing. Can I say that again? Everyone who God asks to do something feels inadequate to accomplish what he's asked us to do. The destiny that God always shows us seems impossible because it was never meant to be accomplished on our own. And oftentimes, disappointments and failures follow us because we try to take God's plan and accomplish it in our own strength. Can I tell you another little secret that I've learned? God's plan has little to do with our ability. The Bible shows us a perfect example of this. When in the Old Testament, in the, in the book of Numbers, we are introduced to a prophet by the name of Balaam. Does everybody know about Balaam? If you don't know about Balaam, you should go read about him. He's a cool guy. But basically, he wants to curse Israel, which is strange that he is for Israel. He gets a really good offer and wants to go and curse Israel. Strange the things that money can do to us. However... He finally gets the okay from God somehow to go and curse these people. And he's riding down the road to go to this spot where he's going to make this big curse. And he's riding a donkey. And eventually, as he gets down the road, he's riding, he's riding, he's riding. And the donkey abruptly stops in the middle of the road for no reason. I know he's kicking him, he's whipping him, he's beating him. He's angry at the donkey because he doesn't understand why have you stopped here in the middle of this road. And this is to show us that God's plan has little to do with our ability. Is that the donkey, come on now, I may not be great, okay? But I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm hopeful that I'm better equipped, better suited to do the plan of God than a donkey is suited, right? And the Bible also says that if we don't do it, the rocks will do it. I think I'm a little bit more qualified than a bunch of pebbles that are living beside the water. The donkey starts talking. The donkey starts doing. Maybe the donkey earlier that morning was having a really great time at intercession and he prayed, God, use me. Literally, you know that later that afternoon he would be speaking. We realize that God uses the donkey to get Balaam back on course to the destiny that he has for him. So I want to talk about this. How do we make ourselves useful? Uh, Wednesdays, just if this is your first time at one of our Wednesdays, uh, we really believe, and I'm a firm believer, that 
The Bible is practical. I believe it's, it's an instruction manual for us to use about how to live successful lives. That although it was written 2,000 years ago, it's just as relevant in our life today as it was 4,500 years ago when the donkey was talking to Balaam. And so on Wednesday nights, we really do our best to try to create a practical understanding because sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes things can get so over-spiritualized that they over-spiritualize right over my head, and I don't really know how to apply it, and I'm still praying God use me, but I don't even know what that means. I don't even know how God's going to use me or how do I put myself in a place for God to use me. I don't even know what God would want to use or why God would want to use human beings. So I want to know how do I make myself useful? So I got five things. You could write them down if you'd like to, if you don't like to. God bless you. Maybe next year. Number one, how does God use us? We have to keep our life clean. We have to keep our life clean. The first step to being used by God is always personal examination. You know what I've realized? I have the great opportunity in being a pastor. I actually love being a pastor. Lots of people make fun of it. I, too, make jokes about it because it's quite easy to make jokes at times. But I love being a pastor. And one of the things I love about being a pastor is I love people. I love the interactions with people. I love talking to people. I used to think I was an introvert. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> and I realized something in dealing with people, and it's that people are often different than they appear. Right? You ever notice this? That what I mean by that is that they present this image of who they are on the outside, but they're wildly different as who they are on the inside. You know, I've, I've, I've really discovered this oftentimes in church, and I think it's amazing because I think that if nothing else, let's make the, you know, dress the outside up as pretty as possible, okay? Like, let's just do it as good as possible. But what I've realized is, is that we shouldn't stop there. That... Oftentimes, what can happen to us is we could become so consumed making the outside look really good and forget that God isn't overly interested with the outside. The Bible tells us very clearly that God judges the heart. He's judging the inside. And if we're so busy simply working to make the outside look as good as possible, oftentimes we are our own worst enemies in that God will never promote us beyond our level of character. Can I say that again? That God will never promote us beyond our level of character. Let me give you a very practical example of this. How many of you think that it would be a smart thing to do for me as a father of a one-year-old to give my one-year-old the keys to my car? Anybody? Anybody think that would be a good idea? Why? Because she doesn't have the character, the maturity, the integrity to understand what to do. Now, having a car is great, right? Having a car is great. Being a child is great. Things are great. Everything in their own compartments are good, but when you start to give someone a responsibility that's beyond what they are able to handle, even though a car is a good thing, how many of you know I would be putting my daughter in danger 
because I would give, be giving her something, putting her in a situation that is beyond her capacity to handle. Oftentimes, what stunts our ability to be used by God is that God, as a loving father, will not put us into situations that he knows our character cannot sustain. And so when we talk about keeping our life clean, what I'm talking about is understanding that the process of Christianity, the New Testament, which I could argue is all about the process of transformation, is understanding that we have to begin to allow the inside, the real person, not the projected image of who we are, not the masks that we wear or the ego that we have, the real person of who we are, we have to begin to allow that to be changed and transformed. That when we notice that there are things in our life, when we notice that there are shortcomings, when God is speaking to us about certain things, about giving something up, about being disciplined in a particular area, oftentimes people can feel as though God is some sort of buzzkill, that he's, I can remember this, when God would say things to me, speak to me about doing things, and I often disregarded them when I was young. Still are. But I realized something is that the reason why God was asking me, was inviting me into this process of transformation, was because he desired to use me and knew that that thing in my life, in the place of promotion, would be dangerous for me. Okay? Matthew 23, 26 says it like this. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Number two, you got to keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. One of the most misunderstood words in leadership circles is the word vision. Oftentimes, we think, when we think about vision, we think that we're somehow trying to predict the future of where things are going to get or where they're going to go. But I've realized something, is that oftentimes we love life or would love life to be this linear direction. Right? I, I remember seeing this one Instagram post of this well-known Christian guy, and it was like two pictures, and it, the top one was like, what we think God's plan for our life is going to be. And it was just like this straight line with an arrow at the end. And then the picture below it was what God's plan actually looks like. And it was basically like a one-year-old just like scribbled on a page. Okay? Because oftentimes we think that vision is about being able to predict where we're going to be. But I'd like to challenge this because I think that vision and the success that people have is our ability to see what God is doing right now in our present. Because our future is simply a combination of the decisions that we make right now in our present. That oftentimes we can be waiting for the big thing that God's going to do in our life and miss the daily steps that he's inviting us to take in order to get us to that end. King David said it like this in Psalms 105, keep your eyes open for God 
and watch for his works. Be alert for signs of his presence. You know what I've realized is that God gives us opportunities to do great things every single day. I can remember this. I was going through a season where I was really trying to become more outgoing with my faith and be more just aware and be more present and share the gospel. And I would wake up every morning and I would just pray this simple prayer, God, bring someone across my path that I could do something or share something great today. You know what? It was amazing. Every time I would go somewhere, I would go into Sobeys, and all of a sudden, this person would catch my eye, and I would be like, Lord, and he would be like, just go tell them how much I love them, and I'm like, oh, Lord, that's so silly, like, come on, I mean, like, bring me the wheelchair guy, and I'm going to lay my hands on him, and the fire of God. Oftentimes, we miss these amazing opportunities to be used by God, because we aren't living our life with our eyes open to actually be able to be useful for him to use. You know what I've learned more often than not? Simple words of encouragement are amazing things that God uses. It's crazy, okay? I mean, even like things with my niece. who She had this situation. I wasn't going to share this, but she had this situation that totally marked me and probably will forever mark me. We were at Dinosaur Barbecue. I can't remember even what was happening, uh, what we, why we were there. I think it was maybe a meeting or something was happening. We were at Dinosaur Barbecue, and she was probably two year, 18 months, two years old at this time. And she was fixated on this gentleman that was sitting across the room, fixated on him. And Mike and Jess, they're so great. They're super bold. I'm believing to get there one day. Uh, they, they'll ask Ollie, like, Ollie, what do you want to do? What do you want to say to this person? And they'll tell them, and Mike or Jess will typically get up, and they'll go, and they'll share this thing that this per- Ollie has for this person, and then they'll pray for them, which is so amazing. And it was at this time that they shared it with this man, and this man, like, I th- I'm pretty sure, like, broke down in tears from this simple word of encouragement from a two-year-old. That was saying, I, I can't tell you how much I needed that. I can't tell you how much I've been, I've had such a hard time. I've been going through all these difficult situations. And just to know that somebody cares about me makes all the difference. You see, oftentimes we have to keep our eyes open. Because uh, we don't know what people need around us. It's not just the sick people that need God. It's not just the broken people that need God. It's often people, the people who look the most polished on the outside, that are the most broken on the inside. And often we miss opportunities, not because God isn't trying to use us. We miss opportunities because we don't have our eyes open to actually be used. Number three, I would argue that this is the most valuable of the five points that I have. And it's you have to keep your heart grateful. Keep your heart grateful. God uses grateful people. It's true. God uses grateful people. Not only that, but God uses grateful people, yes. But did you know that doctors refer to gratitude as the healthiest of all emotions because it's physical and psychological benefits? 
Okay, so even just being a grateful person, yes, it's going to get us to be used by God because God uses grateful people. And thanksgiving is often the key to increase in God. But not only those great principles, but also gratitude is an amazing thing that we do simply for ourselves. Thankfulness is one of the keys to longevity in ministry because thankful people are more focused on God's provision rather than their problems. I tell you something, oftentimes the very thing that blinds us to being useful to God is when our eyes are focused so much on our problems. You ever notice that? That you can go through life and not even know, it's like you're the only person in the whole world when you got something that's on your brain. But you spend 24 hours being grateful for what God has done in your life And you would be challenged to keep all that goodness on the inside of you. God uses grateful people. Paul said it like this. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. We need to constantly remind ourselves what a privilege it is to serve Jesus. We need to constantly be reminding ourselves What a privilege it is that the God of the universe would choose to use us and all of our stuff and our shortcomings and all of our things. I tell you something, I've learned that, that if I'm going through a difficult situation or I've got some problems or some troubles, man, I just pull some of the things in my life that I'm super grateful for. And it's amazing how I go from being so internally focused to them wanting to share of all the good things that God is doing in my life to somebody else, to find somebody else to encourage. This is the key that David talks to us about where he says that I've learned to encourage myself in the Lord. That every breath that we take, every warm meal that we eat, every good conversation we have, often this winter, some of these days have been cold, And I'll walk into my house, and the very first thing that I say is, oh man, Lord, I'm so thankful for heat. As I think about what it's like for some people in the world, that it's the grace of God that I have the ability to work so that I can get paid, so that I can pay my bills. It's the grace of God that my child wakes up every morning. It's the grace of God. And I don't have to focus too long on those things, that my problems wash away, And I want to help as many people as possible to realize the goodness of God. Man, I got to tell you, there is nothing in your life. There's nothing that you can be facing. There's no situation. There's no trial. There's no problem that has the ability to overcome God in your future. That it doesn't matter how bad it looks, how dark it looks. It doesn't matter how troubled you are. It doesn't matter if you couldn't get out of bed this morning. The promise of God is faithfulness. The Bible tells us that when he gives a promise to us, that it's him. He's the same one who gave the promise, is the same one who's going to be faithful to fulfill that promise in our life. And what does thankfulness do? Thankfulness keeps me in the game. That oftentimes, the very thing that keeps me from being used is the fact that I stop desiring to be used. And thankfulness keeps me in a place, keeps my heart in a place where I'm separate from my troubles. Because I know that Jesus is bigger than my troubles. Number four, 
You got to keep your purpose firm. I wrote this down. You were planned for God's pleasure, formed for God's family, created to become like Christ, shaped for service, and made for a mission. That's good. You want a confession? You were planned, I'll say it like this, I was planned for God's pleasure, formed for God's family, created to become like Christ, shaped for service, and made for a mission. Can I tell you, there are purposes that you have been made for. We talked about this last month, the pin, the plan, and the promised land. Talking about the purpose that we're setting out to accomplish in the year 2020. That not only do we have to make a plan, not only do we have to have a purpose, but we have to keep our purpose firm. That as time goes by, we can become so guilty of this. It's like the New Year's resolution thing that happens to so many people. Is that they make a purpose. And this is the year that I'm going to get in shape. Right? And then January, man, they're solid. And February, it's like, man, they're kind of solid. And then March comes, and then, man, they're sort of solid. Why? Because it's easy in life for us to get distracted. It's easy in life for other purposes to pop up, other things that are important. It's easy to come up with excuses about why we could, or we should, or we can't, or we won't, or we don't. But when we desire to be used by God, we must keep the purpose firm in our minds. That I've been planned for God's pleasure, formed for God's family, created to become like Christ, shaped for service and made for a mission. Your life is not accidental. Your days are not haphazard. You are not put here to just suck oxygen and die one day. There's a reason why you're here. There's people that you can reach that I could never reach. There's things that you could do that I could never do. Each of us are created for a purpose. And I tell you, how do we stay firm to our purpose? Is that we must make decisions through the lens of that purpose. When things come up in our life, Right, that's why we have a purpose. That's why last month we spent time focused on what is, what's our plan? What's our purpose? Because then when things pop up in our life, and, because how many of you know that lots of things look good? Right? Every day, everything looks good. And oftentimes, very opposite things look very good at the same time. It's like, I can want broccoli, and I can also want ice cream. Right? Both really great decisions, sort of. But how many of you know that the decision that I make as to whether or not I will eat broccoli or I will eat ice cream is solely determined by the objective that I have? That when we have a purpose and the way that we stay firm to our purpose is that we make the decisions of life and we view them through the purpose that we're trying to attain. That... Wayne Gretzky was like this. Wayne Gretzky accounts his life, and he talks about, those of you who don't know who Wayne Gretzky is, you must live under a rock, uh, especially because we're in Canada, or maybe you're not from Canada. But he recounts his life story that often his friends would come over and through different seasons of his life, 
they would be out and they would want to go do stuff, play games. They'd want to go chase girls, go to the movies. And Wayne Gretzky, whenever they would come to him and ask him, let's go, let's go do something, let's go, he would almost always reject the opportunity to go do something. And when asked why, he simply states that his life, he knew he was made for a purpose. That every decision that he made was viewed through the lens that he wanted to be the greatest hockey player who had ever lived. And because of that, when people who were living their life haphazardly were going, running, chasing, whatever was going to make them feel good in the moment, Wayne Gretzky lived his life through the lens of his purpose of who he wanted to be. So while they were going to the movies and going on dates, he was in his backyard shooting pucks at his net. Right? And that's what he was doing. Why? Because his purpose was firm. He understood who he was and who he wanted to be. And it's the same thing when we desire to be used by God, is that we must view our life through the lens of the purpose that God has given to us. I want to serve God, and that's the purpose for my life. I want to be used by God. I want to achieve great things for God. I want to be a missionary. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a worship leader. I want to whatever that you feel that God is asking you to do. Make the decisions for your life based off of that purpose. And last one, I'm closing with this. Number five. Number one, keep your life clean. Number two, keep your eyes open. Number three, keep your heart grateful. Number four, keep your purpose firm. And number five, keep your eyes on Jesus. Actually, I redact my previous statement. This is the most important. <laughs> Let the record show. Can I share with you a valuable lesson that I've learned? Now, we all know that everything that we read on the internet isn't necessarily true. Okay? I mean, I've quoted Wikipedia once or twice in my messages. But I have since learned that Wikipedia cannot necessarily be trusted. As we've recently seen in the news with all the stuff, we know that the news and general media can't necessarily be trusted. But I'll tell you a valuable lesson that I've learned is this. You can't always believe what you think. That our minds have a very funny way of interpreting things. And often we tend to believe what we think because it came from the inside of us. So therefore, there must be some truth because this generated from on the inside of me. That it often feels right, even though it's not right, it's actually a total lie, right? Like I've learned this before. Oftentimes, I'll be dealing with something, talking something out with someone, and I'll make a statement, and somebody will say to me, did you like hear what you just said? Did you hear that you just said that whatever, you're gonna be alone forever? And I'm like, yeah, I did. And honestly, I totally feel as though this information that I have just shared is absolutely the truth. And oftentimes I've realized that the thing that stunts us, that pulls us into depression, that pulls us into despair, that reminds us of all the times we've disappointed people, all the times that things haven't gone the way we thought they were supposed to go, all the times that we've fallen into self-pity, is simply that we're choosing to believe the thoughts that are in our own head, rather than the words that God has spoken to us. 
I'm going to let you in on a little secret. God's purpose for our life is far greater than our problems. Now here's the deal. I got to be honest with you. Things are going to get tough. Oftentimes, following God, well, I'll say it like this. Oftentimes, following any purpose in life other than haphazardly wandering around is going to be tough. That there are going to be times when God's going to ask you to do things that you probably most definitely are not going to want to do. That he's going to invite you to hug that person that you would never in a million years hug. Share that word that you would never in a million years share. Things are going to get tough when God asks us to do things. When we pray the prayer, God, use me. God's going to shake some things in us. He's going to stir some things in us. He's going to burn some things out of us. He's going to challenge us. He's going to mold us and press us and shape us. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, I mean, as our example, the man who went to the cross, who went through all the extreme things that he went through, but yet at the same time says it was the joy that was set before me that I endured. I've realized something. When I keep my eyes on Jesus, and I realize as a man, the extreme lengths that he was able to go to accomplish the destiny, the plan that God had set before him, it emboldens me to realize that it may be tough right now. It may be challenging. It may hurt a little bit. But I'm so aware that if I simply don't give up, Galatians promises me that I'm going to reap a harvest of this, the seeds that I'm sowing, the actions that I'm doing, the obedience that I'm stepping out into. I'm going to reap the fruit of those things in my life. That it's easy to get lost in the difficulty. It's easy to let our minds slip into bitterness, into depression, to despair, but we train ourselves to keep our eyes on Jesus, we realize something that's so valuable, that God is always with us, that every step that we take, he's with us, every move that we make, he's with us, that everywhere we go, he's with us, that when I feel him, he's with me, when I don't feel him, he's with me, when things look good, he's with me, when things look bad, he's with me, when it gets hard, he's with me. When I don't want to do it, he's with me. When it seems like it's going to cost too much, he's with me. Every season of my life, every step that I take, he's with me. He's present. He's active. He's alive. So when I pray the prayer of God, use me, I can step out in boldness because I understand that I'm not stepping out alone. That I'm stepping out on a plan, on a promise that's already been established 2,000 years ago, when Jesus stretched forth his hand and said, it's finished, he offered me and gave me everything that I would need to be everything he's asked me to be. Will you take a second and close our eyes? I'd like to pray over you. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we pray these dangerous prayers in our lives, Lord, our heart is to be used by you. That we would be the vessels for your glory, that we would be the hands and the feet of Jesus, that we'd go where you send us, that we wouldn't just talk the talk, but that we would walk the walk. I'm asking Heavenly Father right now for courage where there has been fear, for hope where there has been despair, 
for life where there has been death, for light where there's been darkness. Lord, our desire is to be used by you. Remind us that you're always with us. Remind us that you've chosen us. Remind us that you've anointed us. Remind us that you've qualified us. Remind us that you'd never leave us or forsake us. God, we're asking that as we pray these prayers, that we truly would be the light to the world, the light that's set on a hill for the world to run to in their time of despair. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.